Well, good morning. As uh, maybe you noticed as you came in this morning, we are doing a pretty quick shift uh, from Thanksgiving and the turkey and the apple pie and the pumpkin pie and the people gathered. We're in a transition moment. I noticed um, that there are a lot of uh, out-of-town college students with us this morning. I want to say hi to you all. So good to see you all with us this morning. And um, we are um, kind of in that, that in-between space. We've done one holiday, and there's been a lot of work to do with that. There's a lot to be thankful for, and we got to get to it. we got to get to being thankful. And then we turn. You come into church on Sunday morning, and we're singing songs about the baby Jesus, and we're talking about Christmas, and uh, we're in the season of Advent. This is actually the quickest turnaround that we have as this flows out. This is the longest season of Advent there is. Christmas will be on Sunday this year. I don't know if you knew that or not, so we all have Christmas Eve, and then we'll come around on Saturday, and then come around Sunday and have Christmas uh, Day. Uh, So we'll have one church service, by the way, at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary on Christmas. You can start to plan now. Um, But so the way the schedule works out, this is the longest uh, stretch in between that we have. If Christmas is on Sunday, it's four full weeks of the, the task of Advent. And so welcome, welcome, welcome to Advent, welcome to this season uh, and uh, to what, what the, the work of that. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or um, visit. And those of us who have had people visit us these last few days know that there's a certain amount of work that happens when you have somebody coming over. It's one thing to go over to somebody else's house, right? and uh, to, to go be a part of, of, of what they're doing. But if you host, if people are coming to you, it's a whole other thing. How many of you hosted someone over the last few days? You kind of you know. I noticed my sister-in-law was working a lot harder than I was when we were at their house. And that's sort of the message of Advent. It's one thing to pre- prepare for us to find God, but it's another for, for us to prepare for, for, for God to visit us. God's coming to our house. And there's a whole set of tasks that, that help us get ready for that story. So our Advent series this year is called The With Us God, keeping around that theme that, um, that God is with us. That's the message. God is coming to us, and, and, and God has come to us, and God will come to us. In fact, Advent kind of means all of those things. It's a little bit confusing. What do we mean by the fact that G- Jesus is coming Do we mean that he is the promised Messiah of Israel and meets all of the expectations of what we call the Old Testament? Is the fulfillment of all of those longings, all of those hopes as told in stories, even as as in the transition uh, from the Old Testament to the New and people like Zechariah and Elizabeth who get a message and are expecting a baby and also expecting a prophet and expecting God to do something? Well, yeah, that's what we mean, that Jesus came and was the, the, the fulfillment of those longings. Do we also mean that Jesus kind of comes into our lives and into our world and is present here by the power of, of God's Spirit at work in the world and that there's always that dynamic that we need to be aware of, that Jesus is coming into our hearts and needs to so that we'll know how to live and know how to see the world rightly. Do we mean that as well? Yeah, we do. In fact, this tension came up in a, in a question. You know how kids can ask questions that we don't know how to answer, right? Like you go to seminary and then you have children and you're like, there, there's, there, for me, there was no preparation for the questions that would come. Um, and so uh, you say, go ask your mom, right? 
So one of our preschoolers asked their mom uh, in the last couple weeks uh, why we celebrate Christmas. Uh, and, sh and she kind of said, because, it, well, is Jesus born every time? Like every year, like it happened again. Oh, it happened again. Oh, it happened again. Well, and she said, well, yes and no. It was a great answer, right? Like, no, because it, Jesus came and we celebrate that. And so Christmas is really just a great big birthday party that we get to celebrate what God's already done. But in a sense, yeah, right? Because we're always preparing, making room, as we just sang, for, for Jesus to come in. And if, if that's not enough, there's another way that we talk about this. Advent also means that Jesus not only came, not only uh, is coming, but also will come again. And so you find in, uh, in the celebration of Advent, if you're looking for it, all these claims of this thing we're still hoping for, still longing for. Handel's Messiah picks up on that theme in uh, from a, Revelation 11, so you're coming to the end of the Bible. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. There's something to stirring our longing for that thing, which is an acknowledgement that we're not there yet, that we haven't really reached the fullness of this story, and that there's something that we're still longing for, that we're still waiting for, that we're still watching for. At the center of Advent hope is a God who makes his dwelling among us. Again, Revelation picks up on that. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, God, look, God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them. You see, hear that in the future tense. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, which is a recognition that right now there still is. For the old order of things has passed away, that, that is coming. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. So there's something to Advent about preparing for that, too. Like keeping our awareness up and not losing uh, our focus on, not being distracted too much by stuff around us that we don't see the fuller thing that is coming. And to recognize that is part of what God is doing now. John Wesley's uh, last words on his deathbed, he repeated twice the same phrase, as if to give it emphasis, I guess. He said his final words on this earth, best of all, God is with us. And in Advent, we, th that's what we come to. Like, of course, who says that, right? Like, that's, that's the way you go out. Best of all, God is with us, mic drop, right? Who says that? Well, the, the church does. And we do. And we, we remind ourselves to say that. Best of all, God is with us. And so in Advent, we come to the best of things. The traditional themes of Advent are hope and love and joy, peace, faith. Uh, maybe for many of you, I think, the, the, the moment of the year, perhaps, is when we get to the end of this journey on Christmas Eve and we light a candle that reminds us that there is the light of Christ in the world. Well, there's a journey to that. That can be, um, that can be sort of perfunctory. It can be sort of ritual. It can kind of get lost in the mix of the other work that we have to do, finals that we have to prepare for, work uh, in the church that we do to get to do all the things. Uh, that, 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 that can get lost as we kind of go along the journey. So today's challenge is for us to make our preparations, for us to do the things. 
that, that really are ours to do. I remember growing up in the church and, and thinking of these, I don't know, times in the church year, the church calendar, that um, you kind of just go through, you kind of do, do the things, and they kind of didn't have a lot of life to them, honestly. But as I've gotten older, I've, I've discovered that, that we bring the life to this. It's not something that anybody can give to us. Like, we have to each do our own part, do our own work that gets us in a place that we're more aware, more prepared for the Christ who came, the Christ who is coming, and the Christ who will come. Uh, the color of Advent, by the way, traditionally is purple, which represents the royalty of Christ. But in uh, recent years, the church has picked up on the color blue, uh, and the, the color blue represents hope. So one th simple thing you can do is just dress in blue this week or this month, um, you know, the, the month coming up. And each time you do, just re remind yourself that Christ has come, Christ is coming, and Christ will come again. And those of you who wore blue today, good job. Way to, way to be ahead of the, the curve. So today, as we kick off Advent, we come to that first theme of hope and what we really mean when we talk about hope. Because hope can be um, just another way of kind of saying, just look on the bright side, right? Like being hopeful is having the ability just kind of like gloss over stuff and see, see, the, see the bright side of life to put a positive spin or have a positive attitude about things. And, and, and in truth, it is that, but for us, there's a reason. The reason is that we have it with us, God. And that, that shapes our way of, of seeing the world. In fact, the challenge is to have the ability to see what is true in our world, true in our circumstances. And what we mean by hope is really actually the, is, is, is not giving up on, and, and permanently losing our ability to be aware of what God is doing. And Advent calls forth themes of readiness and watchfulness, uh, being aware. Got to thinking, you know, there's a, a, a maybe a contemporary word that we've claimed that gets at this, that the church has always talked about. That word is mindfulness. Some of you have heard that in different contexts. I looked up the official, there is a mindful.org, by the way. I looked it up, and mindfulness, it says, is the basic human ability to be fully present, aware of where we are and what we're doing, and not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us. Well, that's, that's what the church has said, really, the Advent has been celebrated since the fourth century in, in France, by the way. So for a very long time, we've been saying, yeah, that's, that's what we do. We, we see things as they really are and see ourselves as we really are and not overly distracted by all the other things. Advent has always been about this kind of persistent hope in the face of cha challenges because you kind of can't have hope without some challenge. Maybe that's some good news to those of us who feel challenged. Ryan Holiday has written a book called The Obstacle is the Way. And um, this is what he says. It's okay to be discouraged. It's not okay to quit. I heard that as a really a, a hopeful word, actually, because we all get discouraged. And sometimes when we think about hope, we feel like, well, that means we can't ever be discouraged. And I don't think that's true. I think we're what we're talking about is ability to see in the midst of our, our discouragement. And see, so he says, to, to know what you want, to, to, put, to plant uh, your feet uh, and keep inching closer until you take the impenetrable force that you decided to lay siege on in your life. And this is what it means to have hope. Wendell Berry has said, or has written, it is the impeded stream 
that sings. This song in the midst of adversity is the only song hope knows how to sing. This is what we mean by hope, not that things will eventually look up, but that we can look up now and we should, that that we must somehow get our eyes up, our head up, and see, take a good look around us precisely when it would be easy to lose focus or get distracted or give up. We should be awake. We should be ready. This is a a theme throughout Scripture. It's in the, the teaching of Jesus that we read from Luke 12 today. And the voice paraphrase of that uh, first verse captures it this way. There is an urgency in all of this. If you're apathetic and complacent, then you'll miss out. You'll miss the moment of opportunity. You should be wide awake and on your toes. Literally, it says you should be dressed for action. I want to come back to that for a second. Um, The King James, by the way, translated that phrase, dressed for action, this way, gird your loins. That's where that phrase comes from, from Luke 12, 35. You didn't know that, right? It's also, I was, like, I was thinking as I did my prep, like there's, there's, it's in a movie somewhere uh, where they say, gird your loins. Do you remember where it is? Actually, it's in the manly movie uh, Devil Wears Prada uh, when uh, <laughs> she's coming in and they're all getting ready. Gird your loins. That's, Advent has an element to this, like gird your loins, get ready, be dressed for action because there's an opportunity that we don't want to miss. In fact, there's, a, there's two sides to this. There's an opportunity and there's a, a caution. The opportunity is that if you will stay awake, there's something worth waiting for. There's, if you don't lose sight of things, if you hang in there, there is an opportunity that's coming. The context in this little parable of Jesus is that there is a, a master, a boss, who's been away, who's coming back, and the workers need to be ready, and they don't know when he's coming. It's, he's at a wedding banquet. You never know how long those things are going to go. You just kind of got to wait. And it just kind of goes on and on and on. And, and when he comes in, though, the opportunity is that he might invite you in with him. Did you catch that theme? The with us God, the master inviting the servants, Jesus inviting us in. In fact, Jesus says this in John 15. He says these words, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. Do you hear that as an invitation into an opportunity <laughs> to do life with God, to be friends with Jesus, to, to not miss out on that, that closeness in this life. Jesus, as he tells the story, he says, actually, the longer you wait, the more worthwhile it becomes. Again, from the voice paraphrase of the, of the scripture Martha read, The later he comes home, whether it's at midnight or even later, just before dawn, the more fortunate the alert servants will be. So like Jesus is saying, to be clear, there's going to be a lot of waiting in this. And it's going to feel like maybe it's just all darkness and deadness and nothing until the moment when it's not. I thought of an analogy, uh, actually, uh, during Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, for me, uh, especially growing up and then sort of nostalgically now, has always been a hunting holiday. It's also a working holiday, uh, you know, because you know, we've got a, a lot of things going on, but coming into Advent. But uh, it, we always had 
you know, uh, wild game on the table. And so I, I like will watch hunting shows and live like vicariously, uh, you know, in the space that I have. So the last few days I've been watching some hunting shows and there was a guy who was in a deer stand and I'm just watching the show and um, he's never deer hunted before. Uh, and this is on the show Meat Eater, by the way, which is awesome. And um, he, uh, I think it was some comic that they, some, some famous person they've got taken deer hunting and see what happens. So he's like talking about it. And he's in the deer stand. It's zero degrees outside. And they're like, hey, how's it going? And he goes, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of waiting. <laughs> Anybody who's done this kind of, yeah, right? There's a lot of waiting. And then he says, but I'm learning already that waiting is part of the process. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a hunting show. Write this down. Uh, that'll preach. Waiting, learn. We're learning that waiting is part of the process. When in fact, when we, th when we talk about waiting, if you, if you think about it, it's almost always negative, right? It's almost always negative because we hate it. Because <laughs> it can just go on and on and on because we want to get to the thing. But you know, I think another word for waiting is faithfulness. Another word for waiting is perseverance. Another word for waiting is hope. Pierre, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin uh, calls, calls it this, trusting the slow work of God. When we would rather have a micro microwave, we get a crock pot. And Jesus sort of just acknowledges that. He's saying there's going to be some, some waiting, and it's part of the process. And what does the process do? What does it cook in us? But a resilience a determination, and an ability to see things that we couldn't see otherwise. And that's what we're talking about. The ability, this gained ability that we work at by not giving up. Here's what Chardin writes. We are quite literally, we are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We would like to skip the intermediate stages, amen? We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it might take a very long time. Today's scripture says that there is a great benefit for those who learn that waiting is part of the process, to who learn to trust the slow work of God, and who are kind of there for however long it takes. Here's what I've learned. If we say, I might quit if, then that will always linger out there as an opportunity for us. What we mean by hope is that we take that off the table, and we have no safety net. It is only us and a with us God, or it's nothing. And then we're open and remain open to what is next. And there's benefit, the scripture says, if we will stay open. There's also a, a, a warning, a, a danger if we don't. It's sort of the other side of the coin, a recognition that it's easy to miss out. That, we'll, that, that, that we can miss stuff in, in life. We can miss out on what God is doing right in front of us. And so the analogy is sort of like falling asleep or giving up on the master who's taking a long time and coming from the banquet. Or like the disciples who fell asleep in the Garden of Eden with Jesus, this is the warning. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. 
And so you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you don't expect him. This is where it, it again, talks about being dressed and ready. It's like those of us who spent two years in pandemic sweatpants and then had to come back out into public. And we had to remember how to dress, right? Like, what clothes do you put on? What's, what's appropriate? I looked this up, too. There are whole fashion articles, not that I was reading fashion articles, uh, about what you should wear now. Um, and I think we could still argue that maybe sweatpants are on the table. I don't know. <laughs> the point is that we need to be ready for, for what's coming. We need to dress for the moment. We need to rise to the occasion. Because if not, we're going to miss out on something important. And that acknowledgement is in here, too. Like, we don't want to miss out on the thing that's important. We want to kind of show up for our lives and do the work that helps us be ready. That's what hope really is. That's what Advent has always been about. So how do we do that? I want to give you three words to think about for the next four weeks, and then you kind of, kind of run with this on your own. Three words. The first is pray. Prayer is always in the mix. When, we, when you hear the word waiting, when you hear the word awareness, when you hear the word awake, there's literally some connection almost always to prayer. How do we stay ready? How do we stay prepared? How do we stay awake? It's always somehow connected to praying. Prayer and readiness go hand in hand. I want to tell you one way that I do this. Uh, my morning prayer time is uh, with an app. It's called Lectio 365. I got a picture of it. I took uh, this morning of that in my, um, my app store. And um, want to suggest maybe that as a daily thing, if you want to have a daily thing, that um, it is actually clicked over this morning into Advent uh, readings and Advent preparation. And what I like about it, it's 10 minutes, and it's written, but it reads it to you. You push play, and it, it, and it reads it to you. It always reads through a scripture twice. And so the Lectio is, is uh, a practice of reading scripture meditatively or reflectively. And then there are prayers that are woven in with that. So let me tell you the prayer from this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will come again in glory, that all the kingdoms of the world will be your kingdom, and that every eye will see it. We long for you to return and make everything new. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling me afresh. May the life of Christ be born again in me today. And very often what the app will do is then they say, okay, now how do you apply that to like some place in your life where you don't believe it, where you're struggling to, to see it? And that I find is so helpful. It's kind of a call up and a call, call to, to be ready. So I don't know how you might pray, but I would encourage you in these weeks to take the call to prayer seriously, to not be like the disciples who fall asleep when Jesus is in the garden, but to be people of prayer. The other word is prepare in some way. We sang this morning, all of this is about getting ready for something. Here's the, here's the trick. We don't know what that something is. That's maybe the hardest part. It's one thing to say we're going to prepare for the birth of Christ. And, and, and so back to our preschooler who asked, is, he, is Jesus born again every time? Well, yes and no, but we are getting ready for that. But we're also getting ready for something in the future. And we don't know when it's coming, and we don't know what it is. And yet we're called to, to be ready for it. It'll be something of God's work in us and the world. We prepare not just for the birth of Christ, but for the ability to let him into every aspect of our lives. And that is important work, too. So Advent work is really soul work. It is 
the removing of obstacles that get us ready. And imagine some of us marching to that day when we light the candle and we sing Silent Night and we talk about the hope of Christ. But behind that is also the work that we've done to get stuff out of the way, to remove addictions and challenges and hang-ups that we have, to have hard conversations or hopeful conversations with people that we trust, uh, to have relationally redemptive conversations about forgiveness and wholeness that get us to the place that when we sing Silent Night and we talk about hope, it's grounded hope. This is not, as, um, as one pastor has said, this is not when we say hope, we don't mean we're clicking our heels like Dorothy saying there's no place like home and, 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 and it's, it magically appears. Uh, this pastor said, no, hope is more like cleats in the dirt. That's the story of incarnation, not ruby slippers, but dirty, messy shoes with spikes in the ground to help us be grounded. I don't know what that work is for you, but nobody else can do it. That preparation work is yours to do. And so hear yourself being called to that and hear the possibility, the opportunity, if you will do it. Uh, we have an Advent journal that could be a part of that preparation. We have some Advent classes that we're, we're doing, and we have a whole uh, website, uh, a part of our website, our, our Advent offerings. But as you go today, you can get this uh, journal, and it has weekly things. So if you don't want to do something every day, this is uh, a weekly thing and uh, has some prayer or liturgy. And as I look at the first one, it's very clear it's envisioned maybe to do this as you're, you're doing the decorations, as you're, you're making your preparations this is the first line. As we prepare our house for the coming Christmas season, we would also prepare our hearts for the returning Christ. You came once for your people, O Lord, and you will come for us again. And also in that, it kind of reminds us that all of those preparations are about a bigger preparation. So the lights and the feasts and the gatherings and all the things that can kind of, we can kind of get lost in are, are not the thing, the, the end in themselves. They help us see the thing, help us be part of the thing itself, which leads to the last word. All of this is somewhere, uh, somehow about participating with, the, with us, God. Like we're joining something here and it's not hypothetical. Like we're doing something. So back to that opening phrase, gird your loins, or as the NIV, NIV says, be dressed for action. Like, sometimes when we hear that word, you don't know when the Son of Man will come. What we think maybe is that it's somehow ruby slippers and beaming up out of here, Scotty. But what I think it means is that opening phrase, be dressed and ready for action. That there is a thing that we're getting ready for. That we need to be able to do it. Uh, and so we're, we're participating in something. And, and I guess where I want to end is to, to not lose sight of that when we do all of the other things, and I'm probably as guilty of this as anybody, of too many things coming in and it sort of swirls and then the main thing gets lost. What we want is all of those things to help us join in the thing that God is doing. So if it doesn't help you do that, don't do it. And if it does help you, then do it with all your heart. So funny story, I was talking to my mom about this. My mom's a United Methodist pastor. My mom is very strong, uh, a strong person. Uh, and she has always taken great joy in kind of giving me just like the thing to say in the moment, kind of like to, to like put my head on straight, to like 
you know, like to, to say the thing that needs to be said. So as I've gotten older, I relish the opportunity to do that to her. She's not doing well with this, by the way. Uh, she's not accepting this change in our roles, but um, we were having a conversation a couple weeks ago, and um, my brother has a little boy uh, who is four months old, Kyland, and they live in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, it's hard to do the, you know, she, she lives near Cincinnati, we live in Kentucky, it's hard to, to see them. And uh, so she's feeling that tension, that so like we all do, like how do we do all of the other things and still have the relationship? And um, so she um, was talking to me about that. And I think she thought I would be on, maybe on her side. So my brother was saying, hey, you need to come down here before Christmas. And she's telling me, well, I don't know because there's a lot to do. And not only, you know, like in, in a pastoral family, you've got all the family things, but you also have all the church things. And so she said to me, um, I just, I don't think he understands this is Advent. Uh, my mom's going next week, by the way. Uh, she, she, um, and it's not just because of what I said to her, uh, but what I said was, and I just like, um, I had this little channeling of Pastor Wayne. If you knew Pastor Wayne, he had the ability just to say like one thing that made it all so clear. And so she said, I just don't know. I have so much to do. And I said, you know, Mom, I think Jesus gets born either way. You should go. And that is the good news, isn't it? Like, th we're not doing the thing. We are participating in the thing that God has done and, and is doing and will do. And our preparations don't make him born any more or any less. They just help us see it and join it and be part of it as the great opportunity that it is. So um, my mom said, by the way, um, you, um, it's my job to say those things, not yours. So in our house, my mom's name is Lejo, and I, saw, I went home and I said Ma, uh, to Jenny, I said, I think I just Lejoed my mom. And so we've like made my mom's uh, name into a verb, which is a whole other thing. This is the opportunity and, and, and the caution that there's something important to be ready for and to participate in, and each one of us needs to get ready for it. And so as we prepare for that, as the ushers come forward, we're going to give in the offering which is a spiritual act, like the physical giving of our things and the spiritual giving of our lives goes together as we offer ourselves to this thing that we need to be ready for. Let's join in prayer together. God, we celebrate the truth that Jesus gets born either way, that what we do adds nothing to or takes nothing away from the fullness of life that you make possible through him. Nothing takes away from the fulfillment of all those expectations. The announcement still rings true. The message of the angels that this is a story of good news and great joy for all people. celebrate that you have done this and are doing this and will do this out of your great heart for us and our world. What we ask for is eyes to see, for a, a, a cultivated hope, an awareness that comes through getting dressed for action, making our own preparations, 
so that we can catch the opportunity and so that we can not miss out. So in the silence of these moments, God, we confess that we have obstacles in the way. And we pray that the words of the prophet might ring true in us, that every valley in our lives would be raised up and every mountain brought low so that there might be a way that is prepared. And that way is not for us to find God, but for God to fully come to us. God, we ask you to remove those obstacles in our lives. And God, we pray also for the opportunity so that we might be the ones that have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, so that the hope in us might be something that we have fought for and earned and claimed and chosen, that we might be awake, that we might be aware, that we might be ready. May this be true of us. May it be for us and for our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.